Cool. So I'm Jeremy. I'm one of the apprentice staff workers at the Geelong Christian Union. Uh, and yeah, it's just so good to be able to be here, to be celebrating Easter, uh, to be thinking about uh, what this means uh, for Jesus and for hope. Uh, so I'm going to start uh, my talk with a question, a big question that I think is pretty relevant to the world today. This is the question. Where do you find ultimate hope? So again, where do you find ultimate hope? I think if there was ever a time in history that we needed to go and find this hope, now is the time. So, where is this hope? What should I hope in? Well, I was thinking about this, and I wanted to look at what society kind of says I should hope in. You know, what, what does it view young adults should hope for? Um, and I was thinking, what's like a pretty popular song that kind of has hope in the title, uh, I've been listening to. Right, we'll come from the screen behind you. So, has anyone heard the song Panic Disco High Hopes? Not just me, yeah? Some, some nods, yeah, yeah. I'm not in my own crazy world, yeah. Uh, well, let's have a look. It's got hope in the title. I think it's pretty, it's pretty spot on about what the culture says about hope. So, I'll, I'll read uh, the lyrics to you uh, and read them out. Let's have a look. Had to have high, high hopes for a living. Shooting for the stars when I couldn't make a killing. Didn't have a dime, but I always had a vision. Had to have high, high hopes. Had to have high, high hopes for a living. Didn't know how, but I always had a feeling. I was going to be that one in a million. Had to have high, high hopes. Well, I mean, you can tell why it's a feel-good song. Like, it's pretty uplifting. You know, I may have nothing, uh, but if I just believe in myself, if I believe in what I can do, if I believe that I can get there, I will get there. Uh, I can just hope for it. I hope in myself I can achieve it. Uh, I can control the world. It's all up to me. It's all in my control. But is this really a true hope? Does it sound like something we can truly hope in? Well, I don't really think so. I think what the world is selling us is a wishful thinking hope. A hope that doesn't really handle scrutiny. It doesn't handle when things go wrong. You know, can I really get all I want in this world if I just believe in myself? Can I really control the world? Well, I mean, if we look at last year, 2020, I think the big answer is no. We can't control the world. We can't control what's happening around us. You know, with COVID-19, we're living with death happening all around us. And we're saddened by it because it's out of our control. Think about it. The US called their grim milestone of 500,000 deaths heartbreaking. And it also caused millions of people to be out, uh, to have their whole world impacted and changed. And it may have changed your world. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you can't go back home to see your family overseas. Uh, maybe it's uh, just all these struggles of not being able to go to uni or not being able to do the things that you thought that you could. In the face of COVID-19, this self-centered hope, this hope that I can do whatever I want, quickly fades. 
There are things that are outside of your control that can instantly destroy this wishful thinking hope. And we can't really control these. So really, is there any true hope? But there is another type of hope, apart from wishful thinking hope. A hope that is guaranteed, a hope that is certain, so certain that it sounds silly. Like, it would be weird to hear someone say, oh, I hope that the sun rises tomorrow. Like, that's just always going to happen. That's so certain, it just sounds stupid. Now, this is the type of hope that we see in this passage from the Bible, that we can find absolute certain hope, and it's only found in Jesus Christ. A hope in life after death. A hope that won't fail you when things go wrong in this life or when bad things happen. It's a truly certain hope that we celebrate during Easter. So how does Paul, the writer of this passage, a disciple who saw Jesus, explain to us this hope? Well, I've broken it down into three sections. So first, we see that without Christ, there isn't any hope. Second, we see that only in Christ we have hope. And lastly, we see that in Christ there is hope that the whole world will be restored. So let's start at the beginning and make sure you've got your hand up open with uh, the, the text that's written on it as we'll be going through it. And this is the, the first point that we need to understand is that without Christ there is no hope. And this is what Paul is the people that Paul was writing to needed to understand. Have a look at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, it's interesting that these people think that they can live with Jesus rising from the dead and death can still reign in the world. They haven't really thought through the implications of Christ rising from the dead. They're like... I mean, we have Christ risen from the dead, we've got it all, well, that's all that's important, that's all that we need, is just Jesus rising from the dead. But that's not really the case. This is where Paul starts, by pointing out that they can't have it both ways. You can't have death reigning and Christ reigning. It doesn't really quite work. There's really only one, two options that you can choose. You either have death reigning, and still reign, or you have death defeated and Christ reigning. That's it. That's all we have. So let's have a look at these two options. So let's look at the first option, that death still reigns in the world. Is there anything wrong with death as a ruler? Well, I, I think so. I think it's pretty obvious there is a problem. One of these problems is that death can destroy your life at any time. Death can walk up to you unexpectedly, and without warming, and nothing can overcome it. Now, when I was at university, I studied as an epidemiologist, or in population health, dealing with disease and death. And my job was to identify the agents of death, to figure out how they worked, and then try to stop them. So, how good are we at trying to stop these agents of death? Well, it doesn't, doesn't take much that we're actually very powerless against the agents of death. Take COVID-19. Think about it. It's a tiny virus that spreads through other humans. 
We've had constant knowledge that there have been viruses like this in the past, like Ebola or Spanish flu. We've had all the latest tools and technology, all the world's entire health task force at our disposal to be able to work against it. But still, this tiny virus has destroyed so many lives and impacted the entire world. And it has taken an entire year for the world only just to start fighting against it with a vaccine. But the vaccine only works against one type of the virus. That's what we're kind of worried about, is that other strains of the virus can still affect us. But that there's even more than that. That's one virus. There are so many other viruses and diseases out there. And not only that, there are so many other agents of death that still are against us. Like from natural disaster, or from other people through war, violence and greed. We see that these agents of death really do have complete control over our lives. We can't stop them. We're totally powerless against them. This is the reason that we've been trying to avoid them at all costs. It's why Brisbane is back in lockdown again. Why? Because it is so powerful, this virus, that if it goes out, it will kill people. You know, we've endured quarantines, we've endured closed borders. It's why we put people out of work. Is because death still reigns and we can't stop death. But not only does death as a ruler mean that you can take, take away at any time, but it also leads to despair and no hope for the future. Did you know that the highest death rate in Australians, aged between 15 to 25, so about your age, is suicide? That when they think they can reach their dreams, and something happens and they fail, they have no other hope to fall back on. All they see is misery and despair. They can't see any hope for the future. You see, death is a terrible ruler. It's unjust and unfair. But where does death come from? How did death enter the stage? You might get an answer that's like, well, death's always been here. It's always been around. But when we look at the Bible, it gives us a different answer of how death came into the world. Uh, let's have a look up at our screen at the beginning of the Bible uh, in Genesis. So let's have a look at these words. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, when we look at these words, we see the Bible has a different answer to how death entered the world. It says death came into the world, this returning to the ground, from the breaking of God's commands. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and chose to be their own rulers and follow their own ways. They rejected God's authority. And don't we see how death spreads through people wanting to be their own rulers, to live their own lives, whether it's people taking death into their own hands, or people believing that they're greater than the world around them. Death normally seems to come from people. And it even spreads through people's ignorance. You know, COVID's been spreading because people think they're more, much more powerful than the virus. You see, 
This rejection of God has brought about these agents of death. You know, that we, uh, we want to be our own rulers and serve our own ways. We're trapped in this because our actions and our hearts are against God. Our unselfishness and rejection continues to cause harm to others because we only think of ourselves. And we don't care for anyone that gets in our way. This constant rebellion against God, which the Bible calls sin, continues to let death rule in the world. It's a constant reminder that we are not in control. We have a broken relationship with God, which continues to bring death. And in that, there is no hope. And Paul knows that too. You don't see it in this passage. Have a look how many times Paul is saying there's just no hope. Look at verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. Or look at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. See, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we have nothing. There would be no true hope against death. We will continue to be cut off from a relationship with God. Death will continue to rule over us, so all of our efforts, all the things that we strive for, would simply be in vain. We would just have to be resigned to the fact that eventually death would overcome us. And so Paul finishes in verse 19, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So we see that if Christ never rose from the dead, death would still have complete control over our lives, and we would have no hope. This is the first point that Paul labors over and wants us to understand. But we now want to see, actually, the second option. What happens if death is defeated? What happens if death no longer has the final say? If death doesn't reign anymore? Well, let's have a look at our second point, that only in Christ do we have hope. Now, if we want to look at what Christ has done, Paul continues to explain it at the beginning of this chapter. He's always going on about the gospel or the good news that he's sharing with those he meets. It'll be up on the screen behind you of what Paul is constantly on about. This is the good news, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So let's break this down. First, Jesus died for our sins. He died to repair the relationship with God that was broken and that, was brought, that has brought about death. His death on the cross, which we observe on Good Friday, which is tomorrow, took all the penalty and all the punishment required to repair a broken relationship. He took it all, everything that was done wrong to God, paying it once for everyone. He was buried in the ground because of this. But how did he show that this relationship is now truly repaired? Well, he did it by rising again. This is what is celebrated on Easter Sunday, that Jesus showed that sin was taken away 
by defeating death, the outcome of sin. This is the good news that we have, that Jesus now reveals to us that there is forgiveness from God. But what does he show about what happens for us and our future? Well, let's come back to the passage. Have a look at verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Jesus is depicted as first fruits. Has anyone heard of that word in a normal conversation? First fruits? I haven't really heard it at, like any time I've been around. So what does it actually mean? Hmm. Well, looking at the time that Jesus was in, most of the people around were farmers. So it makes sense when we're looking at first fruits, they're looking at the first fruits of the harvest, which is the first pickings of a crop. And it encourages farmers because it tells them that there's more to come from the crop. But what about in today's language? Let's try and put it in something that I can understand. Now, we might look at it like a movie trailer up here. Do you remember before COVID, before lockdown, going to the cinemas and getting there just before the movie trailers started? Because you wanted to see those movie trailers with your friends or your family, because you want to see what's coming up next. Maybe you have some memorable movie trailers that you were going to see. Back then it would have been maybe Marvel Endgame, it might have been uh, you know, DC Wonder Woman, or it might have been the latest Star Wars movie. Like they're pretty memorable to think about those trailers, and they're very exciting to watch. That's because the trailer is meant to give you a snapshot, a glimpse of what is going to come in the movie, an idea of what to expect. And so it is with Jesus' resurrection. He is giving us a snapshot of what it will be like without death reigning. He is showing us what it will be like for everyone, that there will be a time when all those who believe in Jesus' death and resurrection will also be made alive. There is true hope that death isn't the end. And he says this in verses 21 and 22. Have a look at the text. For since death came for a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also for a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But Jesus didn't just give a one-minute snapshot of what life outside of death looked like. He showed people a full behind-the-scenes look. Nearly 500 people around the time of this passage had seen Jesus. They had walked and talked with Jesus. They had eaten with Jesus. Jesus was truly showing them that he was alive. And he explained to them the truth that all who believe in Jesus' death and resurrection will also have eternal life. This is what the good news is about of Easter. This great news that we have been reunited with God and have a restored relationship with God. But since the beginning, all we've seen and known is death. All we have known is that death rules, that death can come and take away. All of humanity have been leading to death. This constant reminder of our rejection and rebellion against God. But when Jesus rose from the dead, a new humanity and a new hope was introduced. No longer are we slaves to death. Death is no longer the end. The agents of death no longer have a hold on us. For Christ was able to defeat them. Christ has restored our relationship with God. He is the example for the new humanity. 
His resurrection shows us what it will be like for us. We will be made new. We will be made alive. We will have a true hope for the future. So that's the second point I want us to look, that only in Christ do we have hope. But this hope that Christ brings is so much bigger than just us. It has so much more to it than just for our lives. Now we're going to have a look at the third point, that in Christ there is hope that the whole world will be restored. Now think about the opening question, what would you change about the world? There's so much in the world today that just isn't, doesn't seem right. As we see death reign in the world, there's so much sadness and despair. Just think about recent news or recent events. Think about the floods that have happened in New South Wales. Think about the increased COVID deaths that are happening still continuously around the world. Or uh, the violence that's been happening against people or mass shootings uh, that continue to reign in America. But I want to turn to you and I want you to uh, say to the person next to you or uh, talk to the people around you, what's the hardest issue that you face in the world at the moment? What's the thing that you find the most terrible thing to deal with? So I'll give you two minutes to talk to the people around you and we'll come back.
come back. Uh, so I'll throw it to some of the tables. Right? What, what is the, like, one of the biggest issues that you're facing? So hey, this table. Anyone want to say? So the physical pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. Back table, do you have any issues you're facing? Feeling helpless in the world. Yeah, yeah, super frustrating. Being helpless. What about Allison's table? Anything over there? Yeah, so fa facing evil people or people who are like selfish and. Anything from front table? Definitely that like sickness continues to just keep attacking everyone. And it just seems like yeah, powerless to stop it. Mm. Yeah. Now thanks thanks everyone for sharing. I think it's really important to be thinking about like what's what you find most troubling. And and they are they're very difficult issues to face in the world. They're all extremely hard because we live in a world that is ruled by death. See, when death entered the world, the consequences have been felt through the entire world. The, and the whole world has been affected for the worse. It rebels against us, just as we rebel against God. And so we have pain and suffering. And so we have people's hearts being darkened and turned to evil. So we have these things that we can't control, like natural disasters. These things that are just out of our control and we can't do anything about. You know? Our relationship with the world is damaged and it reflects the bad relationship that we have with God. So we face a world that is falling apart around us because it's rebelling against us. If we truly look at the world, we find no hope. 
we find complete despair for others and even uncertainty of how to possibly be saved. Well, let's put some good news on this subject from the passage. Have a look at verse 24 to 26. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So when we look at Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we might just be tempted only to look at us. But Paul is writing about a greater power of this hope. This hope isn't only for us. And he writes about this in his letter to the Romans, which we're currently going through in our Bible study series on campus. And it'll be up on the screen for you in this little section. It says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. You see, the creation didn't choose to work this way. It was never meant to work this way. Don't we see that? Don't we see that these problems are actually problems? It was given over to frustration, to death ruling over it. But Jesus brings hope that the world will not be cursed with death forever. It won't continue to face the cruelty of human evil within it. It won't continue to face uncertainty and not being able to change. There will come a time when it will be set free from death. And it will be set free from this terrible ruler because Christ will come and become the ultimate ruler. We see that when Jesus returns, he will have a decisive victory over death. All dominion, all authority, and all power will be destroyed as an enemy of God. Not only will the world be set free, but human evil will be totally eliminated. Human suffering will be totally destroyed. The effects of all evil will be destroyed. This is a great hope that we can trust in, to know all the consequences of death and everything evil in the world will be destroyed. So think about those things that you have problems with, those issues that you face in the world. Think about the pain and the suffering that they cause. But now think about what happens when it is completely eradicated, completely gone from the world. This is what Jesus is bringing. He is bringing a time when we no longer have to be sad about the evil in this world, about the things that we can't change. It will all be made right. Everything will be restored. But it will only happen through Jesus. Only Jesus will destroy all evil. Only Jesus can bring about a hope that we can be in right relationships with God. And only Jesus will restore the entire world. Isn't that something worth hoping for? Now let's, let's take a look back at what we've been reading. We've seen that you can either look at the world in two ways. One way is that death hasn't been defeated, that death will continue to reign in the world, to take away and destroy 
at any time all the things that you hope for, that nothing can surpass death, that we'll continue to bring death and hurt others because of our broken relationship with God, knowing that without Christ there's simply no hope. But the other way is to think of death as being defeated, that death has been destroyed because our wrongs have been dealt with against God and we have restored relationship with God. And this has only been seen through Jesus. Only in Christ do we have hope. This is what we celebrate at Easter, Jesus' death and resurrection, that proof that he showed that he has destroyed death and restored our relationship with God. And he shows us what this will look like. He showed hundreds of people what it looks like to have a restored relationship with God, to be alive from the powers of death. And these people continue to tell others about that good news. But not only will Jesus restore our relationship, he will also restore the entire world. Everything that is wrong in the world, everything that brings pain and sadness and suffering will be defeated by Christ. That in Christ there is hope for the entire world. So the question now becomes, what is your hope? What do you have hope for in the future? Is it a solid and steadfast hope, as this great hope in Jesus Christ? That Jesus Christ has died for everything we've done wrong, restored us back to a relationship with God, and will have complete power over this world to destroy death. Well, if you're captivated by this hope, why not think about reading about it for yourself? Why not look into Jesus' claims and think about what hope he truly is bringing by reading it in the gospel for yourself? And if you already have this hope, isn't this hope worth sharing with the world around us? Because we know that without Christ, there simply is no other hope. This world is filled with despair and sadness, with pain from the horrors of death, with suffering, with evil, with things that we can't change. Again, the largest form of death in young adults in Australia is through suicide, because they can't see anything else worth hoping for. They can't see any hope in the world. And we have this hope. We have a hope in Jesus that is solid and steadfast. Isn't this faith worth sharing with those around you at uni, with your classmates, with your friends who are going through struggles, who are going through things that are painful or that hurt? Is it not worth being able to ask people about what they hope in and sharing that hope with them? Well, I'll finish with another song, another um, set of lyrics. <laughs> no, it's just be another another talking of the lyrics. It's called You Keep Hope Alive by John Reddick, which I think sums up the Christian hope. You keep hope alive. From the beginning to the end, your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive.